0: like to welcome all of you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is enjoying his vacation with family, so I'm so happy to welcome Jill Cruz back to our program. Jill is a family medicine physician with the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, John. Well, it's good to have you here. And before the program began, we were visiting with Bob and he said he still can't believe the number of people who have not had their flu shots yet. Do you think they're still available, and what do you think of taking them this late in the season?
1: They're still available, and definitely I would take them. Uh, Right now, we've just seen the number of flu cases really start to take off, so if you haven't taken them, this may be a good chance to get get it, and it's better late than never.
0: For those who uh, are maybe coming down with the symptoms of flu, tell us what they should look for and when they should see their doctor.
1: Well, with flu, a lot of times people misunderstand flu, f- and they think stomach flu. Correct. So stomach flu is actually a virus. We call it viral gastroenteritis, and that causes the nausea, vomiting, diarrhea.
0: And that has been present in Brookings in the has past been month. Yep.
1: yep. Okay. So, but when we're talking about influenza or what the flu shot protects you against, that is a lung infection. It's an upper respiratory infection that causes high fevers, muscle aches, body aches. Basically, people come in and say they feel like they've been run over by a truck. All so, right. And that can be high fevers and just feeling miserable for about a week.
0: Do you think they should come in or just stay home and rest? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Definitely, I would say come in and get checked out. And you want to make sure that uh, this is actually influenza because there's a lot of other things that can mimic influenza. and, and um Yeah, I can't diagnose anything over the phone, so it's always best to come in and get checked out by your doctor so we can come up with the appropriate treatment plan. Um, Also with influenza, if you're going to treat it with an antiviral medication like Tamiflu, you have a very short window for it to be started. It has to be started within 48 hours of symptoms starting
0: okay so if you think that tamiflu might help you really have to get there right away and it's a prescription so you do have to see a doctor for the tamiflu correct exactly. yeah yep. so if you have flu then dr crew that maybe you do get in or if you have the symptoms make sure it is flu and not something else and get it treated and stay down i have a personal question to ask you about these viruses going around on monday i went and exercised at the gym i came home and i started having chills I had chills, it was so cold, I couldn't dress warmer, and I would sit down and relax and I'd warm up. I'd stand up and I'd have chills. And I thought, oh, you got the flu, you've got something. I kept expecting it to get worse and it didn't. But all day long I had chills, got up Tuesday, felt fine. Is that a virus? What was it?
1: Sounds like you had a virus and your body fought it. And it did exactly what your immune system is supposed to do.
0: Oh. I'd never had anything like that. It was yep. the weirdest thing, and I kept thinking it'll get worse. It'll get worse. It didn't.
1: Yeah, you, you took care of yourself, and that's, that's so you the most
0: can get thing. little viruses like that running around and just.
1: Yep. If it's it, a mild one that your body has seen before and has the antibodies already kind of started to fight and go against, yeah, it could be a very quick.
0: It was quick. Yep. But it was that whole day you keep thinking, oh, Tuesday I'll wake up feeling horrible. Yep. And I got up Tuesday and said, how are you? I said, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I just really Good. didn't know. But So that can happen. That yep. was odd. I've never had anything quite like that. Mm-hmm. So that's not unusual. It's just your body fighting off of a virus. Huh? Yep.
1: That's what our body's designed to do.
0: Well, it worked. Thank goodness. Yep. Okay. See, we are going to take our first break, but we had... Uh, often like to cover whatever topic is going to be on Dr. Holmes' program tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, his program is called Heart Rhythm Problems and Sudden Death. So a little scary, sudden death, but heart rhythm problems. We'll discuss that program right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm glad to, to uh, welcome Dr. Jill Cruz to the program today. Dr. Holmes. for all of you... Uh, Listeners are always ready to hear Dr. Holm. Uh, Believe me, he's healthy, he's doing fine, and he's vacationing. So he'll probably come back with a tan. God love him with all this cold. But I'm very happy for him that he's having warm weather. Uh, But we talked about uh, before the break what tomorrow evening's On Call program will be, and it will discuss heart rhythm problems and sudden death. Dr. Cruz, there have been so many advances in medicine in the past 50 years. They reduced the number of sudden deaths caused by heart problems. Do you believe that one treatment has made a big difference in this reduction? Or or what do you think is is happening with sudden death and with heart problems that has changed over your time in medicine?
1: Well, I would say probably the biggest thing for people surviving from heart attacks and, and sudden uh, cardiac issues is the... Um, emergence of these AED, or Automatic External Defibrillators. And those have been placed out throughout the community, and there's been a big push. I mean, now you can find them in shopping malls, airports, um, you know, the ambulance carries them, police officers often will carry them in their squad cars. So getting that, uh, for someone who has collapsed and the heart stops beating, the most important thing is to try to get that heart going again, and an AED is one of the best ways to do that.
0: All right. I've seen these on walls and gyms and whatever. What if somebody did just stop breathing right in front of you and you know there's an AED? If you've never used one, can you use it? Or do you need some training?
1: Actually, these are designed to be uh, easy enough for a fourth grader to use. So you can train a fourth grader to use it. It's, It's not hard. Um, They have pictures on them. They have two patches and it shows exactly where each patch is supposed to go So it's got a little outline picture of a person said put this patch here on the upper chest put this patch on the lower side You can't do it wrong. The machine does all the interpretation, So it won't give a shock if it's not indicated or appropriate. So you can't misfire an AED by someone Um, So if you put on the patches and it says nope, they don't need a shock or their hearts beating it won't give a shock. So you don't have to worry about
0: overdoing doing it wrong or over right. yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I've never. Thank goodness, I've never had to do that, but I thought, gee, if I were someplace, would I even want to reach out for it for fear that I might cause more damage, and you really wouldn't. You
1: can't cause more harm than good with that. That
0: goes into CPR, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people are aware now of CPR, and what exactly is that? that So CPR
1: stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So the whole idea is to get the heart pumping so blood can move around the body, Um, and again, many people have been very fearful about doing that. One, are you going to do it wrong? Or two, you know, they talked about the need to do mouth-to-mouth years ago. Well, now research has come out in the last 10 years to talk about that um, bystander, so someone who's not trained in CPR, if they just did chest compressions, that's good enough. I mean, if you did chest compressions and did not do mouth-to-mouth, you're going to give benefits still to the person. So uh, a lot of times, people said, "Oh, they didn't want to do it because they were afraid of, you know, having to do mouth-to-mouth or touch someone they don't know, or you know, what if they have a disease? You know, can I catch it?" Well, just doing hands-only CPR, chest compressions for someone who hasn't really had any training or any medical uh, knowledge that can be helpful until someone can arrive with that AED and you know, mm-hmm. professionals can arrive to help take over.
0: Okay. I Knowing we were going to talk about this, I looked up some information on the web before I came in. And one thing they said is if you're faced with this situation, the first thing to do is call nine eleven. then start CPR or an AED if it's there. Yep. Yeah. 9-11 is important. Call for help first, then start, start. But it does make a difference. If a person just stops, their blood stops, what is, it's not really a heart attack? What, Well,
1: it it can be caused by a heart attack, but basically if your heart stops, that means there's no electrical signal that's sending the um, message to the heart to beat, so telling the muscle to contract. So if the muscle's not contracting, blood's not circulating. If blood's not circulating, then oxygen isn't getting to the rest of the body. If oxygen doesn't get to the brain, you can't be conscious. You're in trouble.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Um, I also looked up because I thought CPR, I... I've often thought I really should be trained, and I'm not. And as you say, you don't have to be trained. But I thought if anyone listening is interested in being trained in CPR, I looked it up, and there's a course once a month in Brookings. The course was yesterday, January 8th, so we missed it. But once a month on the second Tuesday of every month, there's a course. It runs from 6 to 930 in the evening. Anyone, you don't have to have a medical background. The average person like me can just walk in, You can sign up for the course ahead of time um it's it covers basic cpr and the problem is the course does they do charge because it's american heart association puts out this course it's seventy dollars for the course but if it's something that interests you and you've often wondered I really should know the right way to do CPR or just feel better if you did it. Sometimes you may have a family member, maybe your father or mother you know has a heart condition. It might be nice if you were trained in CPR. It'd be well worth the $70 to find out. So we just mentioned that. They're offered every Tuesday, and you can call the Brookings Hospital to find out or to sign up for it, not every Tuesday, I'm sorry, every second Tuesday of each month. So the next one will be February 12th. So if you're thinking about this, something you often want to do was just to be well-trained in CPR so you really know what to do, help a family member or help a stranger. It's a, it's a wonderful gift you can give someone. So uh, that's what you can do. You can sign up, and it's every second Tuesday of the month. On that note, we'll take our second break. We'll be glad to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature, and we'll get to those right after these words. Welcome back to Prayer Deck Radio. We have Dr. Jill Cruz with me today. Uh, Dr. Holm is still vacationing, doing fine, healthy as can be from what we can tell, and uh, we're just happy to have Dr. Cruz with me. We've been talking about heart rhythm problems and sudden death, CPR, and probably the thing that you think has made the biggest difference in helping people is this automated external defibrillators, which are the AEDs, and if... You've roamed around any public place. You'll see those on a wall, ready to go, and you can work them. You don't have to be brilliant. Yeah, Maybe if you pass fourth grade, you'll be okay. You can do it. Okay. We do appreciate calls that come in, and we have had a call from someone wondering about those artificial sweeteners. This person uses aspartame. It's one of the artificial sweeteners. Is it bad to have every day in a drink mix? And if so, are there long-term effects, too, for aspartame?
1: Well, there's been a lot of research on aspartame and a lot of the studies have been kind of conflicting. So I don't know if the answer is completely out yet. Uh, definitely the Food and Drug Administration has come up with a recommended daily allowance. And with that, it's kind of based on what your body weight is. But 150 uh, pound person would have to drink more than 18 cans of soda to exceed the recommended daily allowance of aspartame. So if you're having one drink, a day, I would say that that would be okay. Okay. So, um, you do know, they
0: have long-term effects for it? They really don't know.
1: We we really don't know. No. There have been um, some connections or concerns with multiple different conditions, um, from you know seizures, headaches, depression, ADHD, dizziness. You know, we don't, but don't know. We for really sure. don't know for sure. Okay. Yep. There there's a difference between causation and, and correlation. So. Are these things just correlated, or is this actually causing it? I think uh, more research needs to be done, and um, most of our research has been on, you know, the mouse or rat model, and we're not mice and rats, so it doesn't always uh, correlate.
0: Probably. I have a couple of friends and a husband who use these artificial sweeteners, and my answer is always, what's wrong with sugar? Couldn't you just use the real thing? What do you think about that?
1: Sugar, honey... You know, from the stevia plant. I mean, all I would say natural, and my motto is everything in moderation.
0: Okay. And, you know, you mentioned stevia, and Mm -hmm. I saw that, and I thought I might suggest that to add. I don't know anything about it. What is stevia?
1: So that's uh, from a plant. So, you know, how sugar is extracted from a sugar beet or um, a sugar cane. Stevia is is kind of a similar, uh, more kind of like, I believe, almost an aloe-type plant that they can extract sugar from.
0: So that would be probably... Another option. A, a, a very, better a more option. Not than, natural. Yeah. Okay. So that's something to keep in mm-hmm. mind, too. And I saw that. I went to buy the silly stuff he uses, and I saw Stevia next to it. And I thought, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. Yep. So that's good to know. Might mention that. Okay. Uh, we had a caller when we were talking about these AEDs. A caller called in, and her friend had an implantable defibrillator embedded in her chest. Can you explain how this works? Wouldn't it knock her down and maybe cause more damage? I can't imagine a defibrillator that's implanted and then it, if it notices your heart isn't right, it gives you a shock?
1: That's exactly what well, it is. Well, it sounds horrible. Well, it's better than uh, dying. dying. Yeah, I know. So, uh, actually my then? my father-in-law had one and uh, oh. his did go off on a couple occasions and he said he definitely did notice it. So, you will notice it.
0: He wasn't knocked down?
1: Um, maybe. He, <laughs> he said it was quite a thump. Oh, okay. So, uh it's the leads are put right into the heart. It's implanted, you know, under the skin. A lot of times it's used in conjunction with the pacemaker. So if it notices that the heart has a pause for over a certain period of time, whatever it's set at, it will deliver this jolt. So basically, it's like carrying around your own personal AED with you at all times.
0: It just sounds so unusual to me. It has to be pretty recent, huh? Maybe not.
1: Oh. i never heard of this before. It's, it's been
0: over 10 years that it's been oh around. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow, and it really, as you say, it's better than dying. It's better than dying, <laughs> yeah. yes. Okay, so it's implantable mm-hmm. and AED implanted Basically, in your skin. Yeah. Oh, yep. so, and the leads
1: go directly, so it's it's left kind of under the left collarbone, under the skin, and then it has uh, leads and wires that go directly to the muscle of the heart where it's attached. Jeez,
0: it is amazing what medicine has done. Mm-hmm. Say, um, another th- uh, thought that I had, this isn't a question that came in, but... Um, pacemakers, they're no longer considered extreme measures for elderly patients. In other words, many people when they get older will have a directive, no extreme measures, mm-hmm. but yet doctors will still insert a pacemaker. Why is that not an extreme measure? Well, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: A pacemaker, you know, it's a surgical procedure where you put it in, but it's really minimally invasive. The amount of, the length of the cut is minimal, like two inches at most, mm-hmm. So it's a very small device um, and it basically can really improve quality of life. I've seen people that, you know, if their heart is having pauses or they're having irregular rhythms or their heart rate is too slow, then having this pacemaker can improve quality of life. I've had people that say, you know what, I was passing out and fainting, I was falling, I was dizzy, I couldn't, you know, um, get around or I was afraid to go out. And now they get their pacemaker, and they say, I feel fine. I have absolutely no symptoms. So I wouldn't call it an extreme measure at all.
0: Okay. And I think in the average person's mind, pacemaker, wow. You know, you put a pacemaker in, and you're really extending life, and maybe you shouldn't be doing that. But in this case, it's not extreme. It's just helping you to enjoy the quality of life you should have. Yep. Right? It's,
1: a, it's an additional modality that helps your heart do what it needs to do. So, no, and you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel it, you know, every time your heart beats, you're not going to feel anything. And a lot of them are what are called demand pacemakers. So it only goes off if your heart needs a little extra help. So most of the time, your heart's doing 90% of the work, and this just kind of nudges it uh, when it's uh, waiting too long or pausing too long between beats or if it needs a little oomph or um, when your activity level is increasing. So a lot of times... um, pacemakers like i said are more uh, on demand so they only kind of kick in when you need them so some people are completely pacemaker dependent that if the pacemaker wasn't working their heart wouldn't beat Uh, but a lot of people they have uh, these demand ones where it it just kind of augments or assists your heart
0: and how does the pacemaker keep working there aren't batteries in it they have batteries
1: in them yep most of these have about a 10-year life uh, span. Oh, the
0: battery would have a ten-year lifespan. Yep, the That's battery amazing. has
1: a ten-year lifespan, and then when you're getting at the end of that lifespan, they can swap out the battery very easily. I mean, it's a same-day procedure at at the hospital.
0: Hmm. Very. It's interesting all the work that has been done for heart, mm-hmm. and there, there's been a lot of research because heart is pretty main and important to all of us. So some mm-hmm. things are not researched. I realize that, yeah. that you wish they'd spend money on researching different things. But the heart, I think there has been a lot of research and a lot of improvements made. You know, if somebody is, how would you really know if somebody's in cardiac arrest, if you're just an average person? Are there some symptoms that you, do you call, I, I don't know.
1: Yep. So with cardiac arrest, they're not going to be responsive. They're going to be passed out on the ground you shake them you say hey are you okay and if you get no response and they're not showing any signs of breathing or if they're just gasping and not taking uh, effective breaths that would all be signs to get started Uh, if you know how to check a pulse you wouldn't find one but uh, definitely uh, don't let the fact that if you don't know how to check a pulse if if in doubt start CPR. You're not going to cause more harm than good, and every minute lost is heart muscle lost.
0: But you have a heart attack. It's not the same thing, right? Not always?
1: Um, So a heart attack is when a portion of the heart is no longer receiving blood to it. So that can be caused by a piece of plaque that is broken off or a clot, and um, a lot of times a heart attack can cause cardiac arrest. So that cardiac arrest is the entire heart isn't doing anything. A heart attack is when one section of the heart is not getting blood to it. And if that happens or that area spreads, it will lead to cardiac arrest or...
0: How would you know you were having a heart attack yourself then?
1: So a heart attack usually has the symptoms of this crushing chest pain. People say it feels like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. I can also have the pain going up to the left neck and to the left arm and shoulder and, and kind of down the arm. Uh, but Usually it's this just, excessive crushing chest pain that people have.
0: And the best thing for that is to get to the hospital go immediately? Go to the hospital.
1: Do not go to the clinic because we don't have the resources to help you. You want to be at the hospital.
0: If you have that crushing pain, mm-hmm. find a hospital quickly.
1: Yep. Right? Call 911. First. <laughs> yep. Call 911 first uh, because you want the EMTs, the ambulance to arrive because they have the AEDs, they have the medication, and all of our AEDs in, or all of our ambulances in South Dakota have a device that can send an EKG or a heart tracing to the hospital Uh, thanks to a grant from the Helmsley Foundation. Every ambulance in the entire state has this, the ability to send an EKG to the hospital. So before you get to the hospital, the doctor will likely know that you're having a heart attack and can get stuff started right away. So we can call for the chopper before you even have hit the door.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That Helmsley Foundation has been Really beneficial to South Dakota. Yes. For those who haven't heard of it, can you tell us something about it?
1: So the uh, Helmsley Foundation has uh, really helped with providing funds for rural medicine in the state of South Dakota. And again, has provided these um, basically uh, life packs, which check for um, heart rhythm. It also can do defibrillation. And it can transmit these EKGs or a heart rhythm tracing to the hospital uh, over a cell tower. So it's a really amazing um, way that we've hit to cut down seconds because when someone has a heart attack, that first hour is the most important because every uh, minute lost is heart muscle that could potentially not come back. So we want to open that blockage as quickly as possible, and we talk about the golden hour. So the more you things you can get done in that first hour, the more likely there is to be limited or minimal damage to heart muscle that's permanent.
0: So because of the beneficiary of this uh, Helmsley Helmsley Foundation, Mm -hmm. we've really been able to enhance people's lives in Mm the state. And Helmsley isn't even from South Dakota, right? Grandson is. And oh, And that's the South Dakota connection. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so. that's fascinating. Well, we're going to take our final break. If you have any questions, give us a call at 692-1430, and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Holm is unable to join us today, so I'm happy to welcome Dr. Jill Cruz, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. We've been talking extensively about heart rhythm problems and CPR and AEDs and... Uh, To get off the subject, we had a question about OCD come in. OCD is Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. This caller would like to know, do you think this is inherited? I know that many people manage quite well with a few OCD tendencies. Do you think it becomes a problem after a while? Or when does it become a problem?
1: OCD is, uh, I know people kind of throw that term around a lot, but the true OCD is when there's a compulsion to do something that they have no control over so it basically takes over their life like i can't leave the house unless i check the lock five times i can't you know touch something without washing my hands three times so it's a compulsion to do something that they can't stop even if they wanted to so it can become very intrusive in their life and really affect their quality of life um, because they want to do something but they can't they stop.
0: simply must do they it. must
1: simply okay. do this so there are medications that can help with that and help manage those symptoms so people can kind of get their life back but i know a lot of people will say oh i'm so ocd i have to do x y and z well if you didn't do it would you be physically agitated nervous nauseated you know, or would you just be, oh, well, I didn't get my house (laughs) clean, and and walk out the door and be fine. I mean, this is not, oh, I just like to have things neat and in order. This is, I have to do this ritual in order to feel safe and comfortable.
0: Do you believe that there's some inherited tendencies in that?
1: There does tend to be uh, some inherited. I mean, there's always a first person in the family to get it, but it does tend to run in families and something you do have to watch out for if there's a a family member that has that as well. Is it
0: something neurological? What causes it?
1: I don't think we really know quite yet. No. So
0: at least they found meds that may help. We we have
1: found meds that that can kind of help with those compulsions so people don't have to, especially like with hand washing, if they have a compulsion to wash their hands, if you're doing that multiple times a day, you can end up with really dry, cracked hands, you know, to the point that they're bleeding and they (laughs) still can't stop because they just feel they have to keep washing their hands.
0: It's a terrible condition. I know Mm -hmm. uh, we kid about it in our family because there are some with tendencies, but not Mm -hmm. the compulsion. I think that's the difference. You can have a tendency to do something, but not a compulsion. And if you have the compulsion where it's preventing Mm -hmm. you from living a normal life is basically it, then it's OCD. Exactly. The other is just... Whatever. <laughs> Just not OCD. It's a trait. It's a trait. You've got this trait. And there are mm-hmm. family traits that are carried on, I guess. Well, we're running down with our time here. I've really enjoyed having Dr. Cruz with me. Is there some topic that you wanted to discuss or something you wanted to give us um, kind of a summary of how to deal with heart problems?
1: Well, I would say the best thing to do is to. Um, make sure that you have all the risk factors controlled so obesity is a risk factor for heart disease and heart problems you know so making sure working on weight making sure that you get your blood pressure under good control and then checking in with your doctor having a regular checkup cuz a lot of times people can have these irregular rhythms and not necessarily feel them or notice them and A lot of the times I will hear it when I'm listening with the stethoscope and they may not notice that they're having a skipped beat or no regular heart rhythm. So uh, having that annual checkup where someone can listen to your heart and hear if anything's going on is always very helpful.
0: Okay, and I think that that's helpful to pass on to our listening audience because so many, and I have to say mainly men, just don't get to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so they may have a heart attack where it could have been prevented had they visited a doctor. You know, I think my husband went 30 years without seeing a doctor until I finally said, well, maybe your wife will leave you if you don't go to a doctor. So (laughs) I finally got him to a doctor, and he had an irregular heartbeat and didn't know it. And it's made all the difference in the world for him. So I think you guys out there listening, get to see a doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. yearly. Even if you're feeling great, Mm -hmm. it's fine to still go in and see a doctor, right? Sometimes people put it off because they feel very healthy.
1: Yes. And the whole point is to treat problems before they become big ones. I always tell people it's easier to put out a campfire than a forest fire. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a good line all right well put out those campfires get in if you haven't seen a doctor for a year or more please make an appointment you know the avira medical clinic is ready there for you and dr joe cruz would be glad to see you as well okay well we we are so glad that you took time from your busy schedule to be here with us and we hope all of you have enjoyed our prairie doc radio program as always you can hear more from dr holm online at prairie where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Cruz. And thanks to all of you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.